My dear friend lost her brother to suicide a couple weeks ago. I dedicate this podcast episode to him and to all his family who are left behind. Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Hey, hey, welcome to the ICU podcast, episode 18, Talk Like It's Their Funeral. Thanksgiving's over. It's Christmas time, baby. I am so excited for Christmas, but already I find myself starting to plan for when it's over. Do you do that? I do this thing where I'm so excited that it's Christmas that I'm already scared that we're not going to have enough fun in the amount of time we have and that it's going to get over too soon. Brene Brown calls it foreboding joy. I think there's a reason why all the therapists I've had that have been with me for longer than like a few months always point me in the direction of Brene Brown. (laughs) I need her in my life. She's the bomb.com. Have I said that enough on here? Brene Brown. I love her. Okay, so the review for this week is from K2Young, and it's entitled Open My Eyes. It says, listening to your podcast helps me feel uplifted and has already helped me see others in a better light. And I want to better connect with so many people. You give such great ideas and examples of how to do so. Thank you, Julie, for opening my eyes. Thank you for sharing these stories of infertility. I have been trying to get pregnant with my second, and it's taking longer than I expected. My first was easy, and this time it just isn't happening. And I have to keep thinking that God has a plan for me, and my eventually day will come, which is still hard to grasp when I have one, and there are some who have none. But like you said, each month with a negative is so hard. Oh, it is so hard, K2 Young. I see you. Infertility is really tough. Like you said, there's always someone that we can look at that has it harder than us, supposedly, but I think that hard is hard, and it's a challenge. I'm so glad that you're feeling uplifted by the podcast. If you are loving the podcast, uh, you should check out my website, icupodcast.com. And if you scroll to the bottom, you can subscribe to my email list. And I don't send out emails that often, but I do have some really cool things in the works. And I'm probably not going to go into depth on them here on the podcast, just because I feel like this time is sacred. And I want to make sure it's this time on the podcast is dedicated to having good, authentic conversations and not housekeeping items. I'm really excited, though, about some things that are coming this year in connection with the ICU podcast. And so make sure you get your email on the list so you don't miss other ways to get involved with ICU. I also wanted to suggest a cool gift idea I heard on a podcast that I listened to. It's called Happier, and it's hosted by Gretchen Rubin and her sister, Elizabeth I think it's her name. So she talked about this idea of giving the gift of a podcast. Podcast for me personally has been so life-changing, especially as a mom being at home. It kind of feeds some of the mental stimulation that I need that I don't always get with my littles. Um, And the best part is I can listen to it while I'm doing housework. There are so many people out there that don't know how to listen to a podcast. It's crazy. It's like you mentioned podcasts and it's like a foreign language and their eyes start blazing over. They're like, oh, podcast. I don't do podcasts. I don't get what a podcast is. And it's so easy to listen to. But like them, before I'd ever used a podcast app or listened to a podcast, I just didn't even try because it was something I didn't know about. So what you can do to give the gift of a podcast is you can write instructions for someone, especially if it's someone that's older 
and maybe isn't as familiar with technology, but Hey, I'm younger and I feel like I struggle with technology. So this could work for anybody, but you can write out instruct type up instructions for them of how to download a podcast app. Um, or you can even make a quick video tutorial of how to download a free app for podcasts. If they have an iPhone, it's already on there, right? It's just that purple little icon app thing. But if they have like an Android or something, you can show them how to download Stitcher or Google Play or Pocket Casts, Podcast Addicts. There's so many free podcast apps. Some people just need to be shown how easy it is. And then what's cool is you can actually give them a specific podcast and even a specific episode that you think they might enjoy or relate to. If you want to do this for someone that needs to be seen, uh, maybe they struggle with infertility or depression. You can say, hey, I love this podcast. I see you. And I wanted to give you the gift of a podcast this season as I'm trying to see you in your circumstance. And I thought maybe this would help when I listen to it. So what's great is it's obviously really inexpensive if you're short on money and it shows a lot of thought. An idea I had is you could even, if you want to add a little more to the gift, you could have it with like some earbuds or something cool like that or wireless headphones and then have the paper with the links and things like that or a link to the video where you explain it. I thought that was a fun idea. And especially I think that this podcast could be good for that if it's someone that's looking for different angles on different challenges because we do talk about so many different challenges. So there you go. The inspiration for this podcast episode comes from something really tragic and I've asked permission to share some of my thoughts about it. One of my very best friends lost her brother to suicide just before Thanksgiving, and I had the honor to attend his funeral. My sister came with me to support my friend as well as as she's really grown to love this dear friend of mine. This incredible family, this family that I have spent so many hours in their home as a teenager especially, they're hurting, and, and for good reason. They miss their son and their brother, and especially when you lose someone to suicide, it can be so confusing, all the feelings you can have. Well, as I was at the funeral and I listened to the talks given there, I was so amazed at how each person seemed to be saying the same things about this man. The compliments at the funeral weren't generic. They were very specific to him and his personality. He had incredible passion for nature. He had a heart of gold. He loved people. He had incredible compassion for other people. He seems like someone that really knew about how to see someone, what it meant to really see someone in their circumstance with compassion and connect with them. I want to know him better. He seemed like such an interesting person. Not that he didn't have flaws. I know he did. But they seemed so insignificant compared to all the good. And also, like a lot of us, the person he had the hardest time having compassion for was himself. As the funeral came to a close, my sister turned to me and she immediately started talking to me about how inspired she felt to just love other people. It put into perspective what's most important and what really isn't. The stupid things that we worry about every day that really don't matter. And we both felt just this huge energy and push to be better than we'd been before. And not only because of this man and the great example he was of how he treated other people with compassion during his life, but because also of how his life ended. And that's not to say that that's anyone's fault, what happened. But it is a reminder that we all need love, no matter how confident we seem on the outside, no matter how many gifts we have that other people can see. We don't know what voices that person has lying to them in their brain, lying to them about their worth and who they are. His older brother said in his talk at the funeral, I wish he could see this. He would have loved it. Referring to the full chapel of people, all the people that were there. And it kind of got me to thinking, we should talk about people like it's their funeral. When we talk and think about someone like it's their funeral, I think the switch will give us a more enlightened, godlike perspective. Not ignorance. People make mistakes. People have flaws. But I think it would be a higher, more accurate way of looking at things. 
It reminds me of when we had Brad Wilcox on the podcast and he talked about the man who tried to kill himself when he was on the Golden Gate Bridge. And he was hanging there and he said he felt peace about it. And he felt peace until the very moment that he let go. And he said that in that moment when he let go, he knew he'd made the biggest mistake of his life. He knew it. I think he was able to clearly see the more accurate way of looking at things. I think he was able to see himself a little bit more like God sees us. If my husband were to die tomorrow, I would need the whole world to know how amazing he was. I know, I know that's what I need. I wouldn't be able to help myself from trying to feebly just help people understand the kind of man he was and what I had lost, the gravity of what I had lost in my life. I think that's a normal reaction to death. You want people to understand how amazing they are because they're not there anymore to show it and you don't want that to die with them. I don't always tell my husband those things though. This living man standing in front of me, well, he's not standing in front of me right now. (laughs) That'd be weird. But I forget to talk to him. I forget to gush about him the way I would if he were gone. What if we changed our mindset? What if we tried to guess what would be said at someone's funeral? What if when we're talking to someone, we tried to think about what would someone say at their funeral? What would be their story? It's really easy to pick out the flaws in others and especially in ourselves. In fact, I think it's kind of a coping mechanism sometimes to help us not see the problems in ourselves that we don't want us to deal with. So it's easier to pick apart other people so we can kind of avoid dealing with our own problems. And we all do that sometimes and we can have compassion for ourselves in that. But what if we thought about and talked about people like it was their funeral? What kind of compassion would we freely lend them? Death does something to us. It helps all the meaningless annoyances just fall away. And it's like we're more able to see how God sees someone. I have a story, and I'm going to take you back a few years to my snow shack days. I worked in a snow shack for two summers when I was like 14 or 15. It is the best job in the world. I ate free snow cones and read my book and listened to country music all day long. It's the best. I tried every flavor combination out there, but I think my favorites ended up being kiwi coconut, sour grape, just straight. Oh, so good. And tiger's blood, which, you know, some would argue is pretty unoriginal, but there's a reason it's so good. That's all I'm saying. There's a reason why it's so popular. All right. Well, there was a girl I knew in school whose life was going down a pretty different path than the majority of the young teenagers I knew that were my peers. She smoked and she said a lot of things I knew I wasn't allowed to say out loud that I'd hear her say at school. And she kind of gave off this edgy vibe that I was honestly kind of scared of. I was a little scared of this girl. Well, then she wound up pregnant at about 14. And I hadn't seen her at school in a long time. I'd heard the rumors that she was pregnant um, and I'd honestly kind of forgotten about her. Until one day, while I was sitting on an ice cooler in the snow shack reading my book, eating way too many snow cones, probably having a brain freeze and still eating more, because that's what you do when you're 14, I looked up and I saw her waddling towards the snow shack. Her little tight pregnant belly was becoming more and more obvious. And I don't know why or how, but that day, the strongest feeling of love came over me when I saw her. It's like God was giving me a glimpse of who she really was, that she was his and she was magnificent just as she was in that moment. We talked to each other as I got her her snow cone, her order, and we talked to each other and we were just so kind to each other. She was so kind to me and I was so kind to her that day. I instantly wanted to be her friend. I wish we were friends. It's like everything else fell away. The judgment fell away. Her circumstances and my thoughts about her circumstances fell away. And in that moment, I could have given a whale of a talk about that girl that I hardly knew that day, right? 
at this girl's funeral, I think I could have said that she had the best smile that she lit up inside when she smiled at you. Maybe I could mention that she struggled to find herself, but I could mention that she was kind to a girl at a snow shack. We all have heavy life circumstances that put us in our place. They help us more accurately see what's most important and what's not. How do we keep that perspective with us and see the good in people long before we pick up any bad? I mean, when I've been at my worst places with depression, I don't care about anything. I just want to feel okay. I just want to be a good mom and and be able to connect with my kids and my husband and feel that connection again. I just want to feel good again. And so many little things that mattered before are so meaningless then. I think that's what hard trials do to you. I'm trying to think about how I can keep the perspective with me to look at people that way, that I just noticed so much good in them and that I could just give this incredible talk about them like it was their funeral. And that I can say those things in the present moment when they're alive. So I've been kind of trying to come up with some mantras to help me. A mantra is like a saying that you say to yourself. You say it over and over again, and it can, it can help retrain the rewiring in your brain, in fact. If you have a negative thought, you can, instead of engaging in that negative thought, you can kind of push it aside and say your mantra to yourself. So for me, when I was really struggling with PTSD in the beginning, my mantra that I chose with my therapist was, she's rooting for you. And the reason I chose the phrase, she's rooting for you, is because in my mind, that was my future self who was beyond the crap I was in the middle of, all the dark I was feeling. That version of myself was rooting for me in that moment that I could do it, that there was happiness ahead. And so that was a really powerful thing that I said to myself and I strive to believe. So a mantra that I've been trying to think about to help me see people and talk to people like it's their funeral. Well, first, there's the obvious like it's their funeral. But that feels kind of morbid, right? <laughs> I like am talking to someone and I think, talk to them like it's their funeral. And then I'm like, that is so, but it's not their funeral, <laughs> right? But if that works for you, do it. Cool. Who cares? But a few others I like are, we are the same and your path is different than mine. Or just simply thinking about what's your gift? So as I'm talking to someone in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what's your gift? Like, what were they sent to earth to do? What are they so good at? Find ways to tell them. We could be a really important moment on someone else's path. There's been times when people have done that to me. I remember I was at a girls' camp as a teenager, and I remember having a leader who I really respected. Her name was Patty Rogers, and I remember her looking at me at one point and saying, this one is special, and saying to another leader as she looked in my direction, this one's special. She's special. That one single comment made me feel like I could do anything, and it's something I've never forgotten. Not too long ago, I was in Park City with some girls on a little girls weekend. We went into a shop on the main street and the shop owner started talking to us and she ended up asking me about some of the things I was doing and my speaking and things. And this was before I started this podcast. And she just was so interested in what I had to say. And she told me that she felt so much positive energy coming from me. And she said, you have to do it. You have important things to do. You have to do it. She said, something important is going to happen in your life. Something big is going to happen, and it's going to happen within the next four years. Now, I don't know what I think about all that. I don't know if she was meant to say that to me or not, but it sure felt like it. And you better believe it gave me confidence to do things, to take risks. It made all the difference that she was willing and vulnerable enough to just tell me what she really thought about me. And she didn't know inside that although I appear confident, and I am confident a lot of the time. I have many moments where I beat myself up inside, where the voices try to get to me and lie to me inside. 
I'm having one of those mornings this morning, in fact. Seems like the second I open my eyes, I can find all these reasons to be critical of myself. But when someone else looked at me and saw the gifts I have to offer, suddenly I was able to look at myself with a little bit more enlightened perspective. I've been thinking about why don't we do this more often? Why don't we gush over people? Why don't we tell people how amazing they are? And I think there's a couple different reasons that I've come up with, at least in my own experience. I think one reason we don't do it is because we don't want to be so enthusiastic and talk about someone's strength when they're alive because we feel embarrassed. We're embarrassed to really see somebody like that because it takes some vulnerability and it it can feel awkward if you're not used to it. But if you knew they were going to die tomorrow, I'm pretty sure that that would all fall away, that insecurity of being embarrassed, right? Another reason why I think we have a hard time being vocal about all the good things we notice in other people, and it actually doesn't have to do very much with them, and I think it has a lot to do with us and our own insecurities. Quick example, in high school, I was in choir. And I was kind of in choir because all my friends were in choir. All the people I hung out with was in choir. And so I did choir and we went on choir tour together once a year and it was super fun. But choir wasn't necessarily a passion of mine. Now, all of my close friends, of course, happened to have like the most incredible voices in the entire school. And that's something I never had. Not that I couldn't have a really great singing voice, but I didn't put in the work for it. I was never drawn to dedicating time to that. I remember times feeling self-conscious that I didn't sing like my friends could sing. They could just harmonize, bought a piano and just, my friends were the ones that burst into song in the middle of our lockers. Those were my friends. Uh, They are so silly and awesome. I love them. Shout out to any friends listening to this. So it's taken me some time though to figure out what my gift is. Do I want singing to be one of my gifts? If so, great. I can work on that. But I only have so many hours in a day and days in my life. So for me, I've been on this journey to find out what is my gift? What's something that's always been a part of me that comes naturally to me? And what can I do with it? I don't have all my answers, but I'm getting closer. And the more experiences I'm having, I believe one of my gifts has something to do with my ability to connect with other people. So I'm trying to do something about it, right? I'm taking risks. I'm starting this podcast. I do speaking And you know what? Doing that, trying to improve upon my own gift, I don't feel self-conscious about not being a soloist singer anymore because I know that I'm good at something and I'm working to find out more about that. For me, it's become much easier to compliment my friends, to talk to them like it's their funeral, to lend them that compassion like I would if it was their funeral and say things like, oh my goodness, you have an incredible voice. And I don't need to make it about how I don't feel like I have an incredible voice because I'm okay with me. I'm okay with my gift because I believe I'm going to be the happiest when I engage in the gifts that God's given me. The crazy thing is I've also realized that when I am willing to talk about other people's gifts, when I'm willing to be kind to them and to compliment them at what they're really good at, I'm actually more confident in my own gifts when I talk about theirs. I'm more able to just say thank you when someone compliments me and not feel like I'm being prideful because I honestly know that that person has just as much to offer as I do, even though their gifts are different. And it makes me want to find out what theirs are. So what I'm learning is the more that I work on me, the more you work on you, it makes it easier to talk about other people like it's their funeral, to extend compassion to them. I can compliment someone without making it about me. It can be just that. And it doesn't have to be their funeral. It can be today. 
Me saying something good about someone doesn't mean I'm putting myself down. By me saying that my husband's a really good dancer, it doesn't mean I'm saying I'm a bad dancer. It just means he's a really good dancer. He is. Have I talked about that enough on the podcast? I'm just doing my best to embarrass him. When you share your gifts with people, you're almost giving them permission to engage in their own gifts and to talk to other people like it's their funeral. Sometimes I make it out to this Zumba class. I don't feel like I'm the most coordinated dancer. Not that I'm a bad dancer, but I don't feel like I like exude coordinated dancing skills. And there's these women in their 40s and their 50s, and they are shaking their groove thing. And they are way better than I am at picking up the moves. And I can acknowledge that. And I don't have to feel bad about myself or feel self-conscious if I don't dance as well as them. I can just act like it's their funeral and love on them. And I'm not saying that as like a sick joke because you're 40 and 50, okay? Someone's going to give me a hard time for that. I know. And guess what? I'm not even going to edit it out. Talking about someone like it's their funeral, it takes out all the competition. You don't have to compete with them in any way. And it's just love that's left. Just love. Because at the end of my friend's brother's funeral, that's all I felt. That's all my sister felt. We just felt love. There was no feeling of competition. There was no feeling of criticism or insecurities. It was all just love. And if anything, I think when we go, when we die, I think we're going to be amazed at the amount of love that is waiting for us. And if we have any regrets, I think it'll be that we wished we would have had more love and really seen people around us more, extended compassion more, given people the benefit of the doubt more, gushed about them more, just loved on each other more, not less. Next week, one of my very best friends, my homegirl, Tashi, She is going to be on the podcast and man, I have wanted her on this podcast since I first started thinking of doing a podcast in the first place. Tashi, when she was 21, she ended up in a rough spot. She was single and she was pregnant and her future looked pretty bleak. She's going to talk about how she was seen with compassion by some really special people around her and how it completely saved her. We also are going to have to talk about her cute husband and how he came into the picture at a pretty cool moment. I can't wait. If you want to hear a true love story, just wait. You're going to love next week. Love you guys. My name is Julie Lee, and I see you 